right, we are back again. Welcome back to the Practical Scouter. This is Greg here with Jeff and Jay. Gentlemen. Good evening. How are you doing? Gentlemen. 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 All right. Sorry, I apologize. All right. All right. I won't let that happen again. <laughs> <laughs> apologize as for his politeness. So yeah, yeah, it's all going to... Yeah. This is the second episode in a row where I'm going to say it's all going to go downhill quickly. Um, what? So That wasn't... A, it didn't reply to... That didn't mean us. That, that was about like district and professional support we're not what are you what are you saying are you quitting or i i i I, I don't know should should i just should i mute for the rest of the episode here i'm I'm starting to feel a little sensitive is that an option you never told me that was an option oh oh my (laughs) this is gonna you're right it's gone downhill (laughs) (laughs) yep very quickly very very quickly wow so did you guys get the uh did you get the uh the email, I don't, I don't, it's a mid-December scouting wire. Did you guys get that email by chance? The scouting wire newsletter? Yes. yes. Yep. Did you? Absolutely. Did, did you happen to see, uh, there's several things in here. Uh, did you see the one about the uh, the pre, the, the must-use pre-event medical screening checklist and its COVID updates? Did you see that by chance? Uh, I have it up on my screen as we speak. You do? I, oh. Yes, it's almost like we're intending to talk about that. Uh huh. Yeah. The model COVID nineteen pre event medical screening checklist. Uh, it's which just barely fits across the top of the page. That's, that's a mouthful. So that's so bold. That's so. Um, uh, what, what's the word? Definitive. This is the model. This is the one you want to do right here. This one, right? Are we going to get in trouble making fun of this? I'm just. I hope so. You will. I won't. Um, so, so um, our council came out with a similar document. I, I copied and pasted uh, this document earlier version and, and took some of the silly stuff out. But we can still talk us about some of the silly stuff, uh, which which I took out. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Anyone entering? So, use this checklist to assist in identifying potential COVID nineteen cases before. Participation. Okay, cool. All right. Then see review with before departure and upon arrival. Makes sense. Anyone entering a camp or event, including visitors, etc., must be screened. So anybody must be screened. So that automatically introduces, uh, you know, how do you how do you have a security checkpoint and a screening checkpoint? Um, has anyone been sick? Oh, so this is what I like. I like this. These um, has anyone in your household been in? close contact and it's uh, it's highlighted it's underlined with an asterisk and is that a link does that link off it's to a somewhere? link to it the uh, cdc on contact tracing and stuff like that and i think it's yeah, a close so contact ca- definition yeah. right so there's asterisks is way down in the bottom and then according to the cdc close contact what does close contact mean within six feet of someone who has COVID-19 for a cumulative total of 15 minutes or more over a 24-hour period. So I've heard this. I, I, I you know, I've read, read these things before. So you were within six feet who has had COVID-19 for if, so more than a cumulative total of 15 minutes or more over a 24-hour period. So within six feet, within 24, Hours. But in the past 14 so, days. So I don't know about you, but I personally keep a list of everyone I've been in contact with 
for the last 14 days in, I use three minute increments because it's easier. So I just have okay. to add up to, have I had, you know, five of them at any point in time, 15 minutes. Got it. Yeah. Okay. But in 24 hours, in tw- so you get to start counting again. It's, um, it's daunting as it were. And how could you, if someone asked you that question directly, were you within six feet of COVID? The, the answer is probably, yes, I was right. Or maybe not. It's, if you go out to a but, store, you go I don't out- know. It, well, if you go to a store though, 15 minutes, cumulative 15 minutes. I mean, if I walk past someone who's COVID positive in a supermarket five or six times, is that really 15 minutes? So, so the, uh, the study was based on um, workers or correction officers in a prison. So I don't know. I don't work in a prison. I don't know if either of you guys do. Okay. Not anymore. So, wow. so did you work it, there or it, was there something else you want to share? <laughs> Let's move on. A, 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 ask my employees what they think of, of our workplace. You'll get you'll get different exactly, answers. Right? Exactly. Um, yeah. So you're right. That's uh, maybe we should move on to the next question. <laughs> Direct physical contact with an infected person, hugged or kissed. Yes. So a handshake doesn't count. It's a hug or a kiss. It has to be a hug or a kiss. Right. right? And then shared. No. I would call a handshake direct physical contact, but no, this is hug or kissed. I'm telling, sorry. I'm back to, I'm, I'm shaking hands now. Okay. I, I, although handshakes I think are dead. We're just never going to do them in society Probably anymore. Not. I don't think. Yeah, I, I agree. I think they're done. You shared eating or drinking utensils. Okay. Well, that's just gross anytime. Well, unless you're a scout. Well, you still bring your own mess kit. Yeah. yeah but true. Yeah. You know. Infected person, <laughs> I like this one. An infected person sneezed, coughed, coughed, or otherwise got respiratory droplets on you. So, you know, it just if someone just rusely, yeah. Well, hey, look, you know, we never used to pay attention to this stuff. If no, someone sneezed exactly. around you or whatever, yeah. you just mm-hmm. you figured know, I'll get your cold. I guess, <laughs> I guess yeah. it's true. Oh, have you have you been on online lately at the supermarket and sneezed inside your mask and had everyone oh, stare at you? Yeah. Oh my oh, goodness! Oh my god. There, when COVID first broke, there was a uh, there was a fun little video that uh, what's his what's his name Kevin James from the King of Queens, Paul Blart Mall mm-hmm. Cop, that actor. Look it up. It, there, there's a and it's only like a three minute little YouTubey thing um, where he basically he shook a guy's hand and someone witnessed it and called the secret COVID police on him and then it's a car chase. It's hilarious. You got to look it up. It's just fantastic. Yep, I, I have seen it. It is very it's fantastic because you don't know what's coming until the end. And then you realize, uh Oh, but you're right. Yeah. You, you sneeze or you cough and then you're all self-conscious. Like, look, I'm sorry. No, I don't. It's just, no, it's allergies or whatever it is. It's, I'm not sick. I promise. Yeah. Let's see. Has anyone household had any one of the shortness of breath, cough, fever, fever over hundred degrees or greater has any of these symptoms, the entire household must stay home. Right. And uh, until that, per- what they don't say here is until that person has had a negative test, the household is supposed to stay home. Yeah. Because they have, you have symptoms of COVID-19. For, for any, yeah. for any one of these flu-like, repeated feet, shaking, mm-hmm. chills, fatigue, muscle, body aches, headaches, sore throat, loss of taste or smell, diarrhea. So, wow. Any, any of those yeah. you gotta, you're supposed to. <laughs> we, we've had three situations so far with with my kids two two with my son one with my daughter where we had to get them tested and in each of those cases you know they always of course happened on a thursday or a friday so we were you know stuck at home for the weekend but but in all of those cases we all stayed home until we got the negative test result 
and, and that was, you know, didn't go to the supermarket, didn't go anywhere. We, we stayed put. Interesting. So it's funny. My wife is a school teacher and there have been students in her area cluster teaching group or her sort of area of the building. And they haven't, they've, the school district has not been this strict on this stuff, right? With cumulative periods. And, uh, they've basically said, look, use your own judgment. If you're, if, if, if I don't know that, uh, it's been interesting because does that mean I have to stay home? I'm not supposed to go out because she was in contact. And then no. how many degrees? No. Well, a, right. A close contact of a close contact is not a close contact. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've been through that with a few Un- other troops as it were. Un- yeah. Unless she shows symptoms. Th- then, then the, correct. Then the whole house has to stay the, home, right? Correct. Yeah. But if she's yeah. been in close contact with someone that does not make you a close contact. Unless, you know, but if she's got mm-hmm. symptoms now, well, you know, all bets are off and it's a different, sure. different set of, yeah. you just moved up the yeah, chain exactly. at that point. Yeah. You know, and you can kind of see why it look in our part of the world, everyone is tends to be playing nice and they're following the rules and, and, uh, uh, but some areas are not right. Some areas in many areas where we have listeners, they're, they're, they're pushing back hard on these rules and you can kind of see why in some cases that it, it how many degrees of separation and this, that, and the other thing. And look, you, you, you may as well just stay shut in until a vaccine is, you know, fully, fully through everything. But here in our area, infection rates, I mean, we're doing pretty good. They haven't closed us back down again. They've made a couple of modifications so far. Yeah. Um, so far. Yeah. But uh, yeah. But, but if, it, if, if you, if you in fact said that, you know, your, your wife is exposed, therefore you should stay home. If you carry that out, you soon have 95% of the population lo- locked up just because everyone is, you know, a, a, a first or second degree um, right. contact. And the 5% of the people that aren't are probably uh, hermits living in caves and they can't go out anyway. Right. So, right. So how, how could you not, right? I mean, we still have to, you know, um, now this, how's this relate to, new camping rules and any of that kind of stuff, right? Because there's some new short-term camping rules that we have to put in place that are more restrictive than uh, typical or that we have in the past. Not quite as bad as like a full-on resident camp, right. but there's there, there's some new rules out there. Jay, you and I sat, yeah. sat through that class. Yeah. Actually, I sat so. through the class twice because I didn't pay attention the first time. So uh, the new rules really... It's it's almost coincidental that it's they're being put in place in the middle of a global pandemic, uh, and it's a, that's a serious statement. Um, so under NCAP, which stands for National Camp Accreditation Program, uh, there's a pretty thick book of standards on how we operate our various camps, whether it's a resident camp or a day camp or a family camp. Um, and those standards have been extended to what's called short-term camp. And short-term camps include national uh, training programs uh, like Wood Badge, like Powderhorn, like NYLT, includes overnight order-of-the-hour events, and includes council uh, overnight council events, which is district camp, calling Dick Derby's or so. 
for the regular camps camping that your your unit my unit goes on they don't fall under these new guidelines they they fall under guide of safe scouting uh yeah well one of the main things i learned in that training well i learned a lot actually and you know it was it was a grind for sure um but there was good information and I didn't really, so NCAP, I always thought that, you know, people talk about NCAP and camp, National Camp School and all that kind of stuff. I always thought that was some sort of third party organization, not affiliated with the BSA, but that's not true. That's a BSA program. So I figured, okay, anybody that goes to, quote, National Camp School, they could go work at the Y or, you know, Boys and Girls Clubs or any of these things, and they have this generic accreditation, but that's a BSA organization, right? Correct. Yeah. 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 So if you're going to be a BSA camp using BSA branding and logos and all that kind of stuff and offer the BSA programs, you have to have some uh, significant amount of NCAP trained people and procedures and sign offs and audits and all that stuff. Right. Yeah, correct. So, I mean, so if you if you have a ranger at a camp, that person is supposed to be trained at uh, uh different rules over time, but national camp school, your camp director for a resident camp has to be a national camp school trained individual. And camp schools run multiple times a year in multiple locations in a normal normal non-pandemic year. If you run a day camp, uh, you need to have someone trained as a um, uh, camp director and also a program director. In the case of Camp Rees or Wood Badge or IOLS, the trained position is called the short-term camp administrator. And that person, that Jeff, that's the class that you and I took. Um, and right now it's only offered online and that probably end up being the only way it will be offered since we started out in that direction. Uh, it basically teaches you how to administer a campery from a uh, health and safety and standards viewpoint. Again, it only applies to council-sponsored overnight programs. So if we run a day program, even if we're a council-sponsored, we do not have to comply with the MCAT standards. We can. We can we can comply with the day camp standards. We're not required to. If it runs overnight, we have to comply with these standards, which is part facility-oriented and part is program-oriented. Yeah. And I... In, in, there was good information, and I think the main, uh, the big things in that for me were the health and safety aspects, uh, having properly trained medical staff mm -hmm. there, yeah. right? You can't just have a first aid person there. You have to have a EMT, nurse, just pretty significant. Someone really needs to know what they're doing. And uh, then food, food handling, right? This isn't just you know, cooking over the grill, right. you've got to have the right, uh, food safe people and food safe management people. And it's a, it's a non-trivial thing. Uh, and yeah, it's good information. It's really, it, it's, it, uh, you know, I think I eating it, eating at an event with that's been through some of this, uh, accreditation is maybe safer than some of the, you know, burger joints that you eat in town. Um, or, or certainly, you know, like a dirty water dog in New York City or something like that. You know, I think uh, it's it's good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's yeah. the same kind of standards that BSA uh, has been applying to our day camp and our resident camp. So it's just taking it down to the next level, which 
having gone through NCAP assessor training, which is nowhere near as rigorous as the short-term camp administrator, but having gone through this assessor training to learn how to review the standards and inspect, or it's technically called an assessment of the camp, uh, this seemed inevitable that it was going to come uh, down to additional uh, standards. And I think given uh, COVID-19, this is probably the right time to implement these additional standards. Um, and it's not that onerous. And we're fortunate at our council, most of our camperies and training programs uh, or to the hour events are run at a council camp. And once you're on a council camp, all of our camps are credited under NCAP, which means that we have fire extinguishers in the buildings, we have smoke detectors where we're supposed to, we have the water test that is frequently as we're supposed to have them. If we have a ranger, that ranger is, is trained. Uh, so we meet a lot of the requirements. If you wanted to have a camporee at um, someone's farm around here, you'd have to jump through some additional hoops. Not possible, but you got to just you know jump through some additional hoops. And on top of that, you know, you know got to run a good program and make sure that you have the right first aid trained person, depending on the physical location of the camp versus our nurse ambulance or hospital. Uh, right. And it's great stuff. It's, it's makes you, when you really start looking at it and you can go, go through some of these accreditations and you understand what these camps go through, you feel pretty good about sending your kids there uh, because it's uh, it's a non-trivial event for, to open a camp under these standards in addition to the state guidelines and things like that. So uh, it, it, it is good. And it, it, it is something I think separates a BSA camp from uh, maybe some of the others or you know, various retreats or uh, uh, less, uh, less, less sort of public things that uh, uh, choices that we have our kids to go through. And I tell you, I tell you right now, you know, even some of the youth sporting programs and, and whatnot that we have, you know, the, the rules, the rules that the BSA goes through in terms of health and safety and, um, and such is you know much more rigorous than most. So it, it's it's all good stuff. I would encourage everyone to at least have a general awareness of it, and you know have a, and if you're if you're ever curious, and you know talk to the the camping people in your in your uh, in your district or your council or the camp rangers. I'm sure they'd be happy to to share it with you because there's a lot that goes into putting on a safe camp, particularly in some of the stuff we do in scouting. Right, that many things are just inherently dangerous. Right, with the you know knives and guns and fire and all that kind of stuff right but uh you know the camps it's it, it, it was pretty eye-opening for me and you're right jay adding this into the covid uh general health and safety awareness mix it's not too far of a leap right so it's just i mean let's face it we're regardless we live in a world now where there's a lot more restrictions uh and awareness on a lot of these things so yeah, yeah. If if any of our listeners, I use plural. If any of our listener uh, has questions, uh, every council should have an NCAP uh, chairperson uh, volunteer, and so they're you know they're there to help and interpret standards and do whatever they can do. So if you have questions, you know, ask your NCAP chair or your director of camping. They would be on top of this stuff. 
it's also pretty robustly um, filled out on scouting.org. There's a bunch there. I don't see anything about any online training, but I believe the one that the two of you attended was was run by our council, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, if you look on the short-term camp administrator page, it's, it's buried on the national website, but it's there. There are some online courses the national council offers, um, and then they allow authorized local councils to offer a local course, and we took it. And up on that. I, I took the national course. Again, it's a virtual uh, program. Runs about nine to ten hours. Um, so it's it's a lot of stuff to cover. Um, interesting stuff. Uh, and our local council course ran about that same same amount of time. Yeah, and these things, you know, we we in, in all seriousness, if we. We can make fun and tease a little in, in a little bit in, in good-natured, tongue-in-cheek way. But if we didn't take these things seriously, um, foodborne illness is a—it's no joke, right? Uh, you know, kids um, you know, falling falling down and you know breaking limbs on uh, badly designed or maintained you know cope courses and things like that. These are—we have to take it seriously. It's—I think it's part of, of our core job. Yeah. Yep, of course. And, you know, we've we've started instituting, it's one of the, the new guidelines from, from National on on roundtables, a safety moment. We have a safety moment at every roundtable. And one of the things we talked about a month or two ago was the concept that safe does not equal risk-free. Those are not the same thing. And and we can be safe and we can take all these safe precautions. It it doesn't mean you will never have an accident or a problem, but it, it doesn't mean you don't try to, to implement as many of these safety protocols as you can. It doesn't have to suck the fun out of everything. There can still be knives. There can still be knives. There can right. still be guns and there can still be fire. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, cool. Well, that, that, that's fun. So if you, if you, if you're listening and you have no idea about any of this, well, you better find out because it's important. Right. And then and the new standards take effect January first. Uh so if you're having a Klondike Derby in January, which I hope you do, we're probably not gonna be able to, then uh you need to comply with the standards. Uh so make sure that's part of your planning process. Yep. And Jay, you said it. Look, if anyone has any questions, you know, feel free to send us a note. Absolutely. What is it, Greg? The it's Greg dot the, what at no it's the, the it? practical scouter at gmail.com. <laughs> the practical scouter. The practical scouter. The practical scouter at gmail.com. Okay. All right. Cool. Yeah. Send us a note. And we'd love to hear from uh we'd love to hear from uh some of the folks uh, outside of our region. We, we we get notes and you know comments on the Facebook uh groups and whatnot from uh, various folks, but if you're, uh, if you like what you hear or you don't like what you hear and we're, you think we're just a bunch of, uh, uh, you know, Yankee knuckleheads talking about scouting and don't know anything about it, we'd love to hear from you. I'm not saying you're wrong, but we'd still love to hear from you, right? Yep. You could handle that, right, Greg? Sure, sure. Right. I've got our email open right now. We have, uh, we've got, we've got a handful of questions, including from some, some joker named Jeff, um, sent a note a while back but uh, otherwise you know it's pretty good stuff good right cool okay good all right so hey like subscribe share 
right? Donate? Do, do we have? Do, can they donate, Greg? Nope. Are we for profit? Nope. We are. We are not for profit. We got. We got nothing. We got no donate button. No nothing like that. Oh, that's cool. So we're doing this just because we want to have fun. Yeah. You know, at some point we should talk about the business of scouting and donations versus profit. Mm. Yeah. You, you you keep bringing that up, and that's usually when uh, when Jay and I turn off our recordings. All right. <laughs> well, I'm going to keep recording. You never know. See, if, look, for everyone listening, I don't know how to post the episodes. I record a lot of content, and I send it over to Greg. I don't know how to post. I, I can't. It's to, He doesn't give me the the, the, the keys to that particular uh, media channel. No, we, we voted. We voted and decided not to give him the password. No, that's pretty smart. That was a good idea. I would have voted. <laughs> Well, hey, thanks for listening anyway, everyone. Absolutely. Thank you.